Now, today, we're going to talk about what I believe is the second reason for our stunted growth and why we don't grow. And we're going to talk about that with a couple visual aids, well, three visual aids, actually. Um, some of you know what these are, and I know Ann does because Ann works for a friend of mine. Um, and I know Dave used to be in this business. Ann, why don't you come up here by me? No, no, they're not really all that nasty. Come up here. No, no, come over here. Oh, I really wanted you to. Yes. So, what is this, Ann? A filter for what? AC unit. That's exactly right. Now, this one actually came from my house. So, um, it's probably a month past when I should have changed it. But on a scale of 1 to 10, it's not horrible, in my opinion. It might be, uh, it's horrible in your opinion. Well, that's why um, you're up here, Ann. So, uh, <laughs> So on a scale of 1 to 10, how ba 10 being horrible, is this a 10? Now be careful. It's a, nine. it's a 9. Okay. Well, then how about this one then? We're only going to 10. This is like spinal tap, isn't it? Okay. So in this one, that's seven. you think this one's better? Not as bad? I don't trust your judgment. I'll be honest. Yeah. So you have, you're saying I have a cheap filter in my house? Yeah. I, I, you're hateful. Uh, what I ever do to you? Um, okay, so my dilemma then is that our filters are dirty. Yeah? So as long as my filter is dirty, I'm not getting the best use out of my HVAC. Right? So the dirty it gets, the worse it performs. Right? So... How often in your A, B heating, A and B heating and cooling um, opinion um, do I need to change my filter? Yeah, the cheap kind that I have in my house every month. Go ahead and say it. No, you've already hurt my feelings. Go ahead. No, you're lying. Really? Well, I'm still going for cheaper. Um, okay, go. Please sit down. Thank you, Ann. Everybody clap for Ann. Okay, so... Um, if anybody wants to take these home with them, put it on the front seat of your car, um, you let me know and you can write. You can, no? Okay. So um, our dilemma then is as long as we continue to process information through dirty filters, we're going to have stunted growth. Today we're going to look at a story, and it won't be up on the screen yet, but we're going to look at a story about a guy who has incredibly dirty filters. And we're going to look at three filters that he has. Uh, and those filters are personal, they're generational, and they're theological. Same thing with us. Now there are other filters, obviously, in our lives, but these three in particular show up in his life, and they are devastating. And so the reason that we have to pay attention to our filter is everything that we experience, everything that we hear passes through our filters. So if your theology is whacked, all the information passing through that jacked up filter is going to be suspect. If your personal filter is messed up, every piece of information, every interaction you have Passing through that filter is going to be messed up. We have generational filters. 
and we pass all kinds of experiences and all kinds of information through them, and when they're dirty like these filters, we do not function as we should. So this morning, we're going to look at a guy's life that you, you, we've talked about this guy in the past, um, over the past several years. Um, and in Judges chapter 6, we're looking at a man named Gideon. Now, I told you about his three filters because they're obvious as we read through his story, and especially this first several verses. Now, we start kind of in the middle of our narrative, and we're going to backtrack some so that we kind of have some background. Judges chapter 6, verse 14, The Lord turned to him, meaning Gideon, and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand who we're talking about in this story. We obviously know Gideon is, the, is one of the main characters. But where it says, the Lord turned to him. Now, in your Bibles, when you read this narrative in, in Judges chapter 6, it says, the angel of the Lord showed up. And specifically, it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In the Old Testament, really the, the word Lord only shows up in two forms. This one and capital L, small, small O, small R, small D. Whenever it's that case, it's like um, talking to Pharaoh. It's like talking to the king. It's like talking to that. Uh, those kinds of things. Whenever it's this, it is deity. So even though it says the angel of the Lord, this is from Gideon's perspective, because he's yet to realize who it is. Here's the other reason we know this is not just an angel. In the entire body of Scripture, whenever an angel shows up, oftentimes the, the person that an angel appears to bows down. The reason you know it's an angel is because the angel says, don't do that. Get up. Do not bow down to me. Get up. Do not do that. In this case, who appears to Gideon accepts Gideon's praise and worship. So it is not just an angel. I believe in this case, it's one of the few times in the Old Testament where a pre-Bethlehem manifestation of Jesus shows up. It happens in a few other places, and this is one of them. So uh, another time is where it happens uh, to Joshua. Or I'm sorry, not Joshua, um, Elijah. Uh, Elijah and his servant are in this little town, and an enemy army has come, and they've surrounded their town. And uh, the servant's name is Gehazi, and Gehazi goes out, and he sees the enemy camped all around uh this little town in this house and he comes back in and he's freaking out and he's going oh we're gonna die this is what happened so the prophet goes out and he prays to god and he says um open my servant's eyes so that he can see and he opens his eyes and um and all around there this little town and this little house are angels and um they um are flaming and they have horses and they have swords and they have all this stuff. And he says, because greater, um, there are more of us with them. With, with their, we have a greater army than they have. And so he opens the eyes of his servant. Um, an appearance to Joshua. And he says, I am the captain of the host of the army of the Lord. 
It's not an angel. This is a case, I believe, where this is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of, of Jesus. And he appears to Gideon when Gideon is desperate, and he has passed a lot of information through three very, very dirty filters. And verses 1 to 6 from Judges chapter 6, we pick up on his filters. This is the very beginning. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Wherever, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. In verse 4, they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels, and they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, perhaps you exist in somewhat of a victim mentality. And that's how you pass information through that filter. How bad you have it, how mistreated you are, how you deserve X, Y, Z. And you pass every experience you have through that filter. I don't deserve that. I should have this. What about, and so everything you experience, every conversation, every interaction, every bit of news, you pass through that filter. What we just read was that the Israelites did evil on the side of the Lord, so God gave them over to the hands of the, of the Midianites. And the Midianites were such horrible human beings, and they were such a vicious group of people, that the Israelites could not live in towns, and they could not live in tents. They went and hid in caves. And whenever they planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites would come up in swarms like they were locusts. And they would camp and they would devour everything. And they brought their livestock and they just destroyed every shred of hope for the Israelites. Because the Israelites did evil on the side of the Lord. So when you jump to the life of Gideon... He has some very serious filters. He sees season after season, harvest after harvest. He sees all of this devastation that happens, not just to him, but to every single person he knows. And every single person he ever knows. He sees these things happen. So imagine how clogged up his filters are. So... Verses 11 to 15, the angel of the Lord, remember when we said that it was, he says there's an angel and he capitalizes that? The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and Oprah and belo- that belonged uh, to Joash, the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And the reason he's threshing wheat in the wine press is because threshing wheat that time of the year is the exact opposite time of year where you'd be pressing wine. So he's thinking, the Midianites aren't going to find me here. 
So I'm going to thresh my wheat in a wine press. They're never going to look for me here. They'll never find me, so he thinks he's safe, etc. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The guy that is hiding from the Midianites, uh, threshing your wheat in a wine press because you're chicken, and you don't want to be found out. God is with you, mighty warrior. Now again, I think that God is incredibly funny. I think he has a great sense of humor. And you read the Gospels and you see that stuff about Jesus. This is not an attempt at humor or sarcasm from the Lord. I believe that what happens in Gideon's life is is the same thing that is able to happen in our lives. That God sees us for who we could be and not specifically about our current behaviors. And so when God says, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. There's nothing about Gideon's heart or head or thoughts that says that he ever thinks that he is a mighty warrior because he has a clogged filter. This is a very personal filter for him. So when God shows up and says, man, you are a mighty warrior and God is with you, he, he could easily walk over to the restroom and look in the mirror and go, that is not me. I am as far from a mighty warrior as you can possibly get. If he, if he had a Webster's Dictionary and you looked up the word coward... It would have Gideon's picture next to it, not Mighty Warrior. So he is processing some things through his filter. His personal filter does not allow him to see himself as God sees him. But sir, this is verse 13, I think. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Let's stop right there. If you jump back to verse 1 of that, of that chapter, God says, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, so God handed them over to the Midianites. Then Gideon says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Do you, see that, do you see the flaw in his filter there? Do you see he is passing information through that says, I should be able to behave however I want and God still bless me. That's his filter. See how subtle that is? Oh, it's sneaky. It's sneaky. So his filter says, well, what sin is not really that big of a deal. If God is with us, this wouldn't be happening. He's passing information through a very, very dirty filter. His filter cannot let good things pass through. So what happens is all he is able to do is say, well... I didn't do anything wrong. This isn't that big of a deal. So, where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian? His theological filter is very, very clogged. He likes to think of God in a very strict sense. Well, where's the God that brought our ancestors? And he knew the stories. He knew the stories about what God had done for all of his ancestors, how they rescued them when it seemed hopeless, while he parted the Red Sea when they were bound to be murdered at the hand of Pharaoh's army. He saw them uh, crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. All these stories he knew. They were told at campfires and around the tents and about all the great things that God did. 
And now he is unable, his, the, his bad theology keeps him from believing that God can do great things. Because if God was with us, we wouldn't be suffering. That's not good theology. See, so he has this very clogged and dirty filter when it comes to his understanding of who God is and what God wants for them. But the Lord turned to him and said, Okay, I want you to notice what's happened. Remember I started off saying the angel of the Lord showed up and that's how they reported it? Now another character has not entered the story. It's still Gideon and this entity. And it says, The Lord turned to him and said. Not the angel of the Lord. The Lord turned to him and said. So God is having a face-to-face conversation with Gideon. Now, we know that this has not sunk into Gideon, what is actually happening, because he's got some very messed up filters. His filters are clogged with all kinds of bad information, some historical filters, some generational filters. His personal and theological filters are all gunked up. And so God shows up and is talking to him. And he says, go and the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Okay. This is how we know his filters. He has not cleaned them in a long time. He has not changed his way of thinking in a long, long time. And it's because this is the life he knows, and it's generational, and it's personal, and it's theological, and it's also historical. And so he is trying to pass new information through a filter that will not let it pass. And so he says, but Lord, now let this sink into you. You and I are just hanging out at the wine press threshing wheat because we think it's safe. Out of nowhere, this being shows up and starts talking to us. And we're okay with that. How are we okay with that? This had not happened ever in Gideon's life. He's heard stories about this kinds of stuff. He, he's heard great-grandparents tell these kinds of stories about what God did and the angels showed up and, and Jacob did this and Abraham did that. He's heard stories. But his own personal context, this is a new thing. And he does not freak out. I give him credit for that. Something shows up out of the blue for me, I'm out. So, but Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? Look at his generational filter here. How does he view himself? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. There is nothing about me, God, that says I can do anything to help this situation. My family, my tribe, is the lowest on the totem pole. And I am the lowest in my family. There's nothing I can do. I got nothing. What a generational filter he is passing this stuff through. I I can't do this. Oftentimes we find ourselves passing stuff through a filter 
that is really not ours. So who cares what mom and dad did? Really? What's that getting you? I know all kinds of people, I meet them on a regular basis, that talk about the church that grandma went to. What's that got to do with you? We know when I was a little kid, I went to, yeah, but you're 35 years old. What are you, what are you doing now? And so they have these generational filters that really keep them from growing. They're still passing information, trying to pass good information through a bad filter. And it just cannot get through. And it keeps them from growing. So not only does Gideon have this personal filter about, man, I'm nobody. He has this generational filter that says, not only am I nobody, but all of my family are nobodies too. So he has these two really big strikes against him, and his theological uh, filter may be the worst. May be the worst. Because what happens is, he's there alone, he's hiding, it's just him. God shows up, and he still says, I don't think this is going to happen. Somewhere along the line, he stopped believing that the God that he had heard stories about was still around. And he still did great and remarkable things. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to, this is God's phone number, just in case you're wondering. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me when I, and I will answer you and I will show you great and marvelous things that will blow your mind. Now the blow your mind part is my interpretation. It says, uh, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and marvelous things that you've never even heard of. I think that's NIV or New King James or something like that. But that's pretty close. I like blow your mind better. Uh, I don't, it's not blasphemy or heresy. But somewhere along the line, Gideon's the, uh, theological filter was so clogged with his personal experiences. He looked around and said, well, if God is everything he said he is, then why is all this bad stuff happening to us? N- not our sin can't be the problem. The problem has to be God. So what do we do when our filters are so clogged? Well, now you know. Now you simply have the tools to recognize, maybe I'm passing, trying to pass good information through a bad filter. And as long as I'm trying to pass good information through a bad filter, it's not going to make it through unscathed. It's going to cause a problem in my growth cycle because I still have this bad filter. So we just have to change our filter. We have to accept the fact that maybe I am trying to pass good information through a clogged up filter. Now, what I know is, oftentimes people love their filter more than they love the truth. Write that down. Oftentimes, we love our filters more than we love the truth. Because as long as I can pass information through my filter, whether it's clean or dirty or whatever... I can still feel good about whatever I think or do. But when I'm confronted with the truth, well, then I'm forced to change. Then I'm forced to think differently. So sometimes our personal filters need to change. The world is not, a, the world is not out to get you personally. Do you get that? I mean, Satan is. 
but not everybody in the world. I'm not. I mean, I might be. You don't know. Um, and you won't know until it's too late, Chad. Let's be honest. <laughs> but sometimes we fall into that victim mentality, and it's because we're passing information through that personal filter that is probably really clogged up. And you're passing information through a generational filter that is really clogged up. And certainly our theology and our filter when it comes to who God is and what He's able to do, it, it, it is a little shocking to me that Gideon has this interaction and he says, yeah, but Lord, I get it. You just appeared out of nowhere and you just showed up here. How you found me, I don't know because I thought I was pretty well hidden. Maybe your filter is that you can hide from God and the longer you hide the less you have to do something to change and so until we accept the fact that our filters need to be changed we're probably not going to grow the way we should you might grow a little bit here and a little bit there but eventually those filters will clog up and you'll be so slowed down that your growth will almost be inconsequential. And it's because, as we said last week, you just refuse to die. As we say today, you continue to try to pass good stuff through clogged up filters, and you won't change them. What I've noticed about clogged up filters is they always see the worst in other people. Rarely ever does a clogged up filter see the best in somebody else. I've also noticed that clogged up filters allow us to think the worst about people we don't like. Think about that for a second. If for some reason, I know it's really odd, but maybe for some reason you don't particularly like Brian. This Brian. Not the crippled up Brian, but this Brian. Thank you, yes. For, for whatever reason, you don't like Brian. You don't like his personality, you don't, whatever it is. When you hear something bad about Brian, you are more likely to believe it. Because you already have a filter you're passing that information through, right? However, if you really, really like Aaron, you, uh, she's just sweet and she's kind and she's helpful and she, she's hosting a small group and she's just, just, Apple pie. You hear something bad about Aaron, and you go, well, that's not true. Immediately. Well, Aaron would never say that. Aaron would never do that. No, I know Aaron. Because you like her. And so you have a filter there that goes, nah, baby, nah. Right? Some of you get that old 80s reference. Right? Because you have a filter there. Isn't it interesting how how much our filters dictate our character instead of our character dictating our filters. So let me give you just a couple verses to help. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Only put good things in. Only put good things in. It impacts your filter. 
what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, because that's where your life is coming from. So if you have a really clogged up theological filter, it's going to impact how you relate to God and therefore impacts how you relate to other people. It's going to impact your growth. Guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, this is our last verse. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What if in our interactions we really came to understand that, wow, God loves those people just like God loves me. And that's the filter I pass stuff through. Look, we have different opinions, we have different politics, we have different agendas, we have different... There's all different kinds of things that that we tell ourselves make us different. And oftentimes what I see among Christianity is that we care more about the things that make us different than they do the things that that make us alike. Among Christianity. I mean, talking about... Some of you... Robert uses the word true believers, right? Somebody who has come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we care so much about other things than we do about that is that is the thing that will tie us together for eternity. Forever. Ever, ever, ever. So we can barely tolerate people now and they're believers and I'm going to spend eternity with you? I'm not so sure that's heaven. Do you get it? So then why do we allow bad things to clog up our filters and that captures all of our attention. Why are we so afraid to change? To change our filters? To say, I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I, I'm passing all this stuff through my personal filter, all of my baggage. And I'm passing all this stuff through that filter. So that makes me eager or willing to think bad things about Brian and only good things about Aaron. So I challenge you to look at your filters. All of your experiences, all the stuff, your personal experiences, your personal filters, your, your, your generational stuff, just the baggage that you inherited from crazy people that you're related to. And your theological filter. Gideon gets to a point where he says, Okay, you've shown up, you've proved who you are, and I'll do whatever you want. Gideon, over the course of his leadership time, cleans out all of his filters. He takes an army of thousands, and God says, that's way too many. Way too many people. Now, we've just read verses that said um, the Midianites and the Amalekites were like swarms of locusts. At the Gideon's largest army, he was nowhere in comparison to the numbers of his enemies. And God says, that's way too many people, dude. I can't do do anything with that many people. That's what he says. I can't do anything with with an army that big, so you need to whittle them down. So he sends them through a handful of things. The first thing he says is, Gideon stands up in front of the army and he says, all right, look, if anybody's chicken, go home. If anybody just doesn't want to be here, you don't want to fight, you can leave now. And people leave. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, as a general, I'm going, okay, nobody's going to leave. Nobody's going to leave. They're going to be like, no, I, either I want to stay and fight or I'm just, I'm not going to be embarrassed. 
right? That's what I'm hoping for when I'm standing up. And so thousands leave. Thousands. And I can see Gideon standing up there going, you have got to, and he's holding his mouth because he doesn't want to see anybody. And he's going, you have got to be kidding me. Really? Holy smoke, Lord. Let's go back to the wine press. So he goes through a series of things. One of the things he said, all right, take, it, take all the guys down to the river to get a drink. Just see what happens. So some of the men get down on all fours and they drink water like a dog, like they lap it up. Other men take water in their hand and they drink from their hand in the cup of their hand so they can look around. He says, okay, keep the guys who drank from the hand. Tell the guys they can go home, no harm, no foul. He whittles his army down to about 300 guys to fight an entire army. And he does. He totally annihilates the enemies, and God gives him peace. Somewhere along the line, Gideon abandons and he cleans out his personal filter, his generational filter, and his theological filter. And because of that, God delivers the nation of Israel. So I wonder with us, what is possible when we start cleaning out our filters? When we really do set our minds on things that matter in eternity. When we really do start guarding our hearts, knowing that what we put in is going to come out. When we actually clean up our filters. What God can do with you. And what God can do with me. Let's pray. Father, we know that Scripture comes from you because if we were writing these stories, we would make ourselves look a lot better. And so we thank you for the story of Gideon and his humanity and his transparency and the fact that, man, he processed a lot of information through very, very clogged up filters. So help us to recognize that in our lives. Help us to realize that maybe sometimes the way we process information, instead of passing it through you, we pass it through our baggage, through our bad personal filter, our bad theological filter, our bad generational filters, that maybe it's just bad information and it's bad filtering. And so help us to be honest and transparent about that. We know that you love us and that you want to do such a thing in us that only you could get credit for. So give us hearts and minds and give us desire and will to let those things happen. Thank you that you love us and you show up in this space. Thank you for Jesus who died and gave his life for us so that we could have you as our Father and you call us your children. We ask these things in the name of Jesus.